Do you want to grow a thriving, profitable handmade business? My name is Jess Van Den, and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full-time in 2010, and since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers, just like you, create and grow successful handmade businesses. So, are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. Hey Thrivers, Jess here. Welcome to the Create and Thrive podcast summer series 2017. It is the summer holidays here in lovely subtropical Queensland, Australia. And during this time, I will be rerunning the best episodes from 2017. I'll be back January 2018 with all new episodes of the podcast and also with the Handmade Biz Bootcamp, a three-week program that will help you get crystal clear on what you want to do with your handmade business in 2018. It's available exclusively for members of the Thriver Circle, which will be opening on January 2nd to new members. The bootcamp starts on January 8th, so head on over to thrivercircle.com to find out all the details and enjoy the Create and Thrive podcast summer series. So I'm here with Fusa. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to be here. It's awesome to have you on because we're going to be talking about a really very, very important topic for people who are selling online, which I know Thrivers is most of you. But before we uh, kind of get into the meat of the conversation, Fusa, would you like to introduce yourself, let everybody know a little bit about you and your background and how you became to be an expert in this area? Awesome. Thank you so much, Jess. Um, basically, my name is Fusa, but you can call me um, Fuse, and I am an SEO strategist for creative entrepreneurs. I'm super passionate about helping solopreneurs and um, people in the creative industry um, who are entrepreneurs and want to be found online. So I help people get comfortable with understanding Google, how search engine works, and um, I'm all about SEO and getting found online for your blog, as well as for your social media and any really place that you are set online. So how I, I would never imagine that I would be teaching SEO one day. Um, <laughs> I started never, ever, ever. Um, basically my entrepreneurial journey, uh, journey began almost nine years ago when I started my photography business. And at the time I was just really a mom with two small kids under the age of three. And I didn't have funds to market my business. Um, I, I, you know, I barely had funds to buy equipment because photography equipment gets so expensive. Mm -hmm. I had like mm -hmm. one computer given by my mom and one camera I financed at the time. So once I was done photographing all my friends and family members, I was like, okay, how the heck do you get new clients? Like, how does that work? And I always had been interested in marketing and I just really didn't know it. Um, and then a few friends suggested social media. So at that time, I really used Twitter to connect with uh, wedding vendors because I had some small kids. I really didn't have a lot of money, so it was really hard to get out of the house. But uh, on the like few meetings that I would go to or when I would, I would always come back home and really cultivate the, the relationship online. Mm -hmm. So they always mm -hmm. felt like they were seeing me. So I was like, okay, so this social media thing you know, it was really cool and it worked. So I began to grow my business, build my business. And about three years after that, um, a fellow photographer introduced me to SEO. And I was like, oh, what's that? And he's like, well, basically my blog is set up so I'm found by this small venue in my city. So when people are looking to get married there, 
my website comes up. I was like, what? Tell me more, right? So I call it love at first sight, but there was a huge problem, Jess, um, because SEO, when I started digging in and I wanted to learn more, it was a very, like, it's totally like all men, super technical. Now, like anything super technical really scares me. Mm. So <laughs> HTML, coding, that stuff, totally out of like my arena. But there's something, and I think this something applies to creatives or people who really want to have their own businesses, something called curiosity. The curiosity kept um, pushing me through. And even though I didn't feel very welcome, it felt like a white man's country club, to be honest. The curiosity kept me pushing, like wanting to know more. So what I did was, I didn't understand probably most of it. But the things that I didn't understand, I started to apply it to my blog, to my images SEO, um, and change a few things around in my blog. And then I started seeing results. All of a sudden, the increase started coming in of, oh, where'd you find me? In Google. I found you in Google. So then the photography community, um, once Facebook groups actually started rolling around, the old school Facebook groups, mm. whenever they had an SEO question, I kind of knew the answer. So people started um, calling me the SEO expert. And a, little, a few, I don't know the exact time frame, to be honest, but after that, the SEO kept coming back as this, you know what, I'm really passionate about this, and I'm passionate about like other people feeling less intimidated about it too, just like I did, like when it finally like set in, and just things kind of started falling into place, and I launched a first SEO boot camp for photographers online, and then I founded my blog, which is called Get Found with Views. And here I am today. <laughs> That's fantastic. So it, it kind of just evolved for you out of what you were learning for your own creative business. And then, you know, it sort of snowballed. People wanted to, to hear more. And uh, now that expertise is kind of the main thing, which is really exciting and why we have you on the show today, obviously. Mm -hmm. So... Let's start at the beginning because a lot of people, especially who are starting out with business online, don't really understand even what SEO, what is SEO, what does that mean, um, why, how can it help me? Awesome. Yes. And even the, sometimes the people that know it, they're just super intimidated by that word, seems mm. overwhelming. Um, so SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. So this means that there are things that I can do with my website, with my blog, with my social media. So there's changes, there's things I can do in order for search engines to find me. Search engines like Google, um, Yahoo, Bing, YouTube, even Pinterest is a search engine if you really think about it. Mm. Um, so it's things that I could do. So whenever you hear the word optimization, you really should um, switch that word out and put the word boost. How can I boost my website? How can I boost my blog? Or, you know, if I'm selling products online, how can I boost it? So in order when people are searching for relatable things that my business perhaps can show up, that I can be found. So that is um, essentially what SEO is. And the basis for SEO is text. So text is the foundation for building your home on the web is what I like to say. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. search engines don't see photos and they don't see um, videos. Well, they're starting to. That's a whole other that's a whole other podcast right there. <laughs> um, the basis honestly is text. So what happens with a lot of creatives is they'll get really creative on their website and their blog and it's gorgeous. It has beautiful pictures and it has videos, but it's 
what I like to say, it's lacking. If you're lacking text, it's kind of like you're naked in the eyes of Google. And we want you to have some clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And we want you to um, be found. So in the SEO world, whenever we're talking about text, it's something called um, keywords. So keywords are basically what are people typing in Google? So keywords could be one word, two words, three words, right? So if I'm a jewelry designer or I sell jewelry online, a keyword could just be ring uh, or silver ring or, you know, large silver ring, pretty silver ring, vintage silver ring, and you get the idea. Yeah. So what I recommend for, um, for the listeners, if you've never done any kind of SEO work, First of all, you could totally do this on your own. You don't have to hire someone out. I mean, even if you hire someone out later, it's really good for you to know what it entails, right? Or the basics and some practical things that you can do. Yeah, the first, because you the, want to understand it yourself before you trust someone else to do it, right? Exactly. Or you can even train someone in-house later to do it for you. Mm. Um, so that's really important um, because – Sometimes you'll find, um, sadly, you know, maybe like a sketchy marketing person or you want to understand what they're sending you, if they're sending you reports or what does your package include Mm. um, and so forth. So if you haven't done any kind of SEO or if you have done some and you're not sure, the very first step you need to do is create a keyword list. That sounds so so just like basically brainstorming as many potential keywords as you can come up with but and then I think you have to kind of do you choose like a a specific small list that you use over and over again that's a great question so I like to look at keywords into two categories the first category is your main keyword so your main keyword you have to answer this what do you do right Mm -hmm. Um, what products do you sell um, so do you sell design? Do you sell, um, you know, templates? Do you sell jewelry? If you sell jewelry, which pieces of jewelry? Um, if you sell clothes, which pieces of clothes, right? Yeah. Uh, so what do you do? What products do you offer? Then you could also share, um, answer where. So is this um, mainly online or does local SEO um, help you? Like do you want to be found in your town or not? Then the last thing you could answer is kind of maybe like um, your style mm. or mm. some adjectives to describe your work, right? So, so this is the- so it kind of Sorry. sounds like um, what I would tell my students to be a tagline, like the thing that you put right after your name of your business, like a, a short sentence or whatever that explains exactly what you do for people. Yes, but it's more in like a really a list format. So mm. the the thing about the main keyword is that usually it's very competitive. So, for example, one of my um, – I just um, had a girl inquire, and she sells um, table linens. She has an Etsy store and a Shopify store, or she's switching, and she sells, um, let, let's say, um, table linens for weddings and sequin table linens. So she's like, oh, Fuse, I'm trying to get found for this, right? So that's her main product and her main product line. But – that's very competitive. And I know there's so many companies paying for advertising, right? And so it's this competition game. Mm. So what I told her and what I'd like to do and um, is something called alternative keywords. Um, because in alternative keywords, that's going to give you a lot more room to be found by many, um, many ways. 
and still lead to the end goal because what is our end goal? It's conversion. So we're doing this in order to get a new increase, new lead, a warm lead, or of course a sale, which is what we really like. So what a lot of people don't realize is that there many things can be found in Google. So it's not just your main domain, right? So it's not like getfoundwithfuse.com, but a really great blog post can rank. So your website has to look at it as pages or your blog or even your products that you sell, maybe one product, that's the one that brings in a lot of organic traffic every month, right? That mm-hmm. that Google likes it and, and showing that listing over and over again. So what, what are alternative keywords? Alternative keywords really focuses on your audience. So who is your audience, number one? Number two is what problem do they have? What keeps them up at night? <laughs> And about your products, how do your products serve, um, you know, offer this solution for some of these things, right? Yeah. So I like, so let's, let's look at some examples. So let's say I'm a food blogger and, you know, what's my main keyword? My main keyword is food blogger, but heck, that's like really competitive, right? I call that the UFC ring. People are battling out for that keyword (laughs) and there's only 10 spots on page one and we all want to be on page one. So instead, I don't want to be in the UFC ring. I want to be sipping a nice pretty drink by the beach. So instead, I want to rank for like, you know, great um, butternut squash um, recipe, fall soup recipe. So this gets into content. So it, it gets into blog posts. So back to the example of of the girl who inquired about her table linens. Table linens, we're not going after table linens. What are we going after? We're going after rustic wedding decor, ideas for rustic weddings, rustic wedding inspiration. Do you see the difference there? Yeah, absolutely. So you're actually narrowing it down to a very specific thing that someone looking for that very thing will actually type into Google for sure. Yeah. So there is one mistake that a lot of business owners make, though, when it comes to doing this kind of research is that they will miss sometimes really key, actually key keywords. Um, I'll give it, I'll give you an example because what happens is we're hanging out with our industry so much, we start using words that we think everyone uses and we think everyone will search that way. So you have to understand how your um, audience searches. So a lot of photographers follow me. I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. So a lot of photographers, mm-hmm. I'll go to their blog posts, and they have the word session all over. But regular clients, they're not looking for the word session. They're looking for photos, pictures, um, photo shoots. So uh, since we're hanging out with our industry so much, we just um, think that you know these are the words that people are using. So one tip um, I would like to give your audience is that um, – Go back to your product listings and look if there's anything missing that's really obvious. So I had one girl today, her Etsy listing, I was looking at her Etsy listing in order to prep for our talk, and she sells some vintage items. And one of the items was this compact mirror, but she didn't have the word mirror anywhere. She just had compact. Mm -hmm. So when I looked at other listings that were ranking for vintage compact, I saw that most of them did have the word mirror. So it's something that would seem so obvious, but it's not because we're in it so much that we don't don't see it sometimes. That's so, so true. Um, so we got we get stuck in the jargon that we yeah. have kind of absorbed and we forget yeah. to put our feet in our customers' shoes and think what yeah. what they're going to and what I always say to, to people is 
You need to imagine you're your customer sitting in front of the computer and you want to find a specific thing. What words are you going to type into Google or in the Etsy search bar or whatever? And those are the words you need to be thinking of as keywords. Yes. And I would love to give you um, three places where people could look for some that might be helpful. Hmm. So you could always survey your audience, of course. You could always put yourself in the place of your audience. But I'll share some tools, some free tools that um, that you may enjoy, and they're easy to use. So the first one is actually called Google Suggest. And it all it really is is when you go to Google.com and you start typing in um, – let's say mood ring, right? Let's say I'll start typing in mood ring. Mm-hmm. What happens is there's a drop down that comes with that, right? Google will start suggesting keywords for you. Well, guess what? Those are keywords people are using. So Google's making a suggestion and they want to finish complete your sentence. So whatever those three, four, six um, things that Google's showing, you copy that and you put it in your keyword list. So let's say you start a new Google Sheet or Evernote or Trello, whatever you're using. Um, so then let's say I look up mood ring and at the bottom, all the way in the bottom, there's related terms. Mm-hmm. So those are really good to give you like new ideas that you hadn't thought of. Um, when it comes to your product descriptions, your titles, and we'll get into that a little bit more too. Um, so that's tool number one, just Google suggest. That is like so simple, <laughs> you know, but people probably have never thought to do it. Right. And a lot of people think that when they're typing in, it's because of what they're, they've typed in before. And it's not, it's actually Google suggesting you're like, Hey, here's what people are typing in when they're typing in this, um, in relation, in relation to this keyword that you're typing in. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, another one, um, that I'm loving, it's, it's one that I just shared with my audience. Um, and let me make sure I have the right URL. Sorry. It's LCI, oh, LCIgraph.com. Mm-hmm. So um, LCI, it's like some techie term. We don't even need to pronounce what it is. What LCI, <laughs> does, what LCI does, it kind of um, will gather certain adjectives and words that they see in relation to a keyword um, that that keeps coming up in 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 results in Google. So this is also completely free. And you may be really, um, some people are shocked at what they find because mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. things they never, It's like I said, it's so obvious, but because we're in it so much, it doesn't stand out to us. So there's also one called answerthepublic.com. And it's a guy, a video of a guy. It's kind of weird. Like the video of the guy freaks me out a little bit sometimes, but <laughs> You can um, ask for questions and you could specify which country you're in too. So sometimes depending what niche or industry you're in, like some of these might not give you like enough results, but answer the public um, gives you uh, results visually. And many times it gives you results based on questions. Um, So that's really good because then answering a question on a blog post would be in relation to what you do. That gives you just new content and blogging tips ideas of what you should blog about there's one more that a lot of people don't realize or don't use for that purposes which is just really pinterest if you go on pinterest and you type in let's say i'm going to go back to the mood ring right mm-hmm. mood ring um those little color tabs that they give you on top those are all keyword ideas for you so whatever they the little buttons you know what i mean the colorful yeah. buttons search for something so i'm like okay uh, mood ring what's going to come up is it going to come up vintage diy so 
I'm looking at that. Then I look at which pins are doing really well. Is there something specific about their title? Um, is there a word that I'm not using that I should be using? Um, so doing research, that's why I say the first step is really doing keyword research. So it's answering those questions of your main keywords. And your main keywords are going to be like, you can't run away from them, right? <laughs> so for me, if, if, if I'm a wedding photographer in Myrtle Beach, I'm a wedding photographer in Myrtle Beach. Like I can't run away from those keywords. It doesn't mean that I'm not going after them. I am. They're on my website and I would love to rank for them. But I know that there's so many other ways that could still bring people to my blog, to my website, to my brand. Um, And of course, let's all remember, it's about conversion. It's Mm. about, it's not just about like getting found, you know, it's not just about like huge numbers. It's really about, okay, how can I make this, you know, how can I bring them into my funnel or, you know, make them a warm lead or maybe a super fan um, and, you know, eventually buy my product. Yeah. And that's like, I think people sometimes get stuck on those main keywords and just try over and over again to get ranking for those. Whereas looking, I think um, some people call it the long tail, like looking at the the smaller, more obscure keywords. But if you get enough of those, you're going to get a flow of people coming to your shop. And when they come to your shop via one listing, pretty high chances they're going to end up looking at the rest of it. So, you know, it, it, it almost in a weird way doesn't matter which listing brings them in. It gets them there. And that's that's the main thing. Yes, absolutely. I so agree. You're right. And people think that and it's funny. Sometimes people think that that main keyword, that that's it. And um, that's it. That's all they need. And I have a saying that, you know, people think, yes, I love SEO. I'm all about it. It's, you know, what I teach, what I love. But SEO also doesn't solve all of your booking problems or, you know, your lack of sale problems. There's other elements, right? And one mm-hmm. big SEO mm-hmm. factor in 2017 is branding and user experience. So um, Google just recently had, um, it's changing its algorithm again with something called mobile index first. So basically it's going to start showing results from mobile. So you really want to look at how is my blog, how does my website or e-commerce store look in mobile? Is it mobile friendly? So there is a test that you can Google, the Google mobile friendly test. You want to make sure that you're passing that because if your site is not mobile friendly, Google's going to push your rankings down because Google's really looking at user experience. So what does user experience look like? If they're landing on your site, are they clicking on things? Are they going to other pages? Are they getting what they um, were, you know, going there for? What is the intent of their visit? So if they come in through something that you're offering of value, most likely they're going to stick around. So other things are important. So branding, you know, um, your colors, being consistent with your brand. A lot of people don't realize that these things also affect how Google ranks you in Google results. Wow. No, I mean, I think, you know, most people just think, uh, it's, you know, keywords or they don't understand at all about how Google <laughs> ranks them. Um, mm-hmm. And also there's, you know, this whole mobile thing. I mean, if you use a, a good, you know, if you're selling through a good online venue, it should be mobile friendly, uh, but it is a really important thing to test. I mean, it's something like I, I remember looking at my um, the statistics for my mailing list recently or something, and it was something like 60% of the emails are getting opened on a mobile device and it's like it's I think it's 50% plus 
these days across the internet, really, people are viewing stuff on tablets or phones. And so if if people can't shop easily on those devices, they're just going to move on to somewhere where they can. Yes, absolutely. So then just basically, um, once people make that, you know, the, the, their keyword list and ki- and it's something that always grows. It's not like, oh, here's my um, keyword list and, you know, 20 keywords. Something that's always growing, especially if you're blogging, if you blog for your business. Mm-hmm. Now, where do we use these keywords? So for, um, you know, artisans and, all, and makers, you're really going to use it wherever you have your products listed. So, for example, with Etsy, whatever you name that title is going to be really important because the title is also what Etsy pulls to image SEO, So, which is a little limiting, to be honest, because in WordPress, I have full control of my image SEO. So if I put five images for a listing, each one of them, I could add different and unique keywords in the image SEO back end. Yeah, which means and, you have a higher chance of getting found. Yes, and that's called alt text or alt tag in some cases. So what Etsy does, it pulls from that title. So that's why it's important, like, um, like the, the girl who had the vintage um, compact mirror. So adding the word mirror in that title is important because that title, it's uh, H, an H1 heading. So Google looks at things that are H1 headings, like of more importance and of more value. And then in my description, it's like, can I? how can I describe... You definitely want your main keywords and some interesting keywords in the first hundred words of the description and not all the way at the bottom. Mm -hmm. So you want to talk about, you know, the colors, the style, the texture. Um, And I like to, when I think of of products like that that I would buy online, you know, are they like unique gifts for sisters, for bridesmaids? Like who do they they serve? Who would this be good for? Mm -hmm. Especially during the holidays, right? Which we just passed, I know. But, you know, I'm always thinking like, um, you know, unique ideas for dads or grads. So it depends obviously on what you sell. But that's how you optimize your listings. You really want to look at your text because text is the foundation for SEO. And then each platform has its SEO feature. Shopify has its SEO sections that you could fill out. Um, and, and so does WordPress if you're selling on WordPress. So when you upload a photo to Etsy, for example, I always say, um, you know, before you upload the photo, change the name of the photo uh, so that it has your keywords in it. So it explains what's in the photo uh, before you upload it to your website or anywhere else. So if you if you do that, do you still need, like in WordPress, for example, if I upload a photo, I've named the photo with my keywords, do I still need to fill in the alt text or will it kind of just draw from the name of the photo? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so in WordPress, there is um, three sections for image SEO. And I do have um, a free course on image SEO. It's an email course and I could send you that link for your audience. Yes, I don't do. have it on the top of my mind. Sorry. Um, my head. So there's three areas. So when I do upload photos, so there's the title, the alt text, and the description. So I typically rename my stuff before anyway. So then when it pulls in, that title is already there. Mm-hmm. But in mm-hmm. WordPress, the most important section out of those three is definitely going to be your alt text. This is the text that Google Images pulls. And we know a lot of people will sort by images. They want to see the products. They yeah. want to see whatever it is they're looking for. So all text is also the text that Pinterest pulls whenever somebody pins something from your blog 
um, or, you know, wherever they could pin from. So out of those three sections, I would definitely spend more time on alt text. And you can make it like a full sentence. You can make it some loose keywords. Um, Google kind of stops looking at it after 15 words. So you don't want like a whole paragraph listing in there. Um, Yeah, just so just like a sentence or the the kind of main keywords uh, in there. Yeah. So let's say you had five images of the same product, then you could just say in one image could be like what the product's about in color. Another image could be unique ideas for fill in the blank, for women, for girl bosses, for moms, for dads. Um, And then the other one could be more about maybe the the products itself that were used. And it's just a variation, really, because all of your alt text um, should be unique and should not be the same. So that's something that's really important. So because Google punishes copycats, doesn't it? Like it doesn't like copies of things. Yeah, it's not a huge fan because um, this is how it it comes into your site. So it looks – when um, search engines come into your site, they're like, they call them like search bots. It's like a little spider, really. Mm. Um, and if you're afraid of spiders, I'm sorry. That's the example that <laughs> you come right So they look at your site from top to bottom. The first thing they really look at is something called page title, which is the text that goes above the URL, which um, I believe in Etsy, whatever you name that title, becomes that page title too, the, the title of the actual product. Mm-hmm. Um, so it looks at that, then it's going to look at the permalink, then it looks at the nav bar, then it looks at links. So let's say my photos is a link, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and my pages are links. So let's say my first page or product, it, it goes to it and it has a certain you know text. Then it follows the next link. Well, if the next link has the same text by the third link, it actually won't finish going through my whole site. And you definitely want Google through, to go through your whole site and know all the pages you want or all of your listings because to them, they're looking at the same thing. So mm-hmm. they'll stop. Looking. So um, and then um, there is something called duplicate content. You never want like, you know, you, uh, if you do a blog post on your site to be the exact same blog post somewhere else, you want to change your, your words around. But essentially, if I'm always adding images to my blog and they're always the same name, it's it's going to look a little spammy in the eyes of Google. Wow. I never like that whole search bot thing. That's a really important thing to know. I know. And it stops. And this is why, like, if you're in WordPress, you want to make sure that you're optimizing. Every single page needs unique page title and description. Um, There's a plugin called Yoast SEO, Mm -hmm. which is a great plugin. And the plugin creates a little box at the bottom that you can click the edit snippet and you can manually change your page titles. So usually my page title or site title, I never have my business name because I want to be found by new people. And it's like a limited space. It's really the text that you see when you Google something that's bold. You know, when we Google something, how it shows like a bold text Mm -hmm. and bottom of description. So that's what page title is. So those are more like, you know, loose keywords. And I know it cuts it off about 60 characters. And then my meta description, that's where I can have my business name, like design by um, unique ideas or the colors and just expand a little bit more if it allows me to. And depending on the platform you have, it's good for you to look at where's your site description, where's your page title, because most likely you can also manually um, change that yourself. So you want to make sure you go through your pages and then you go through your products. Yeah, so like if you have an online store 
an Etsy store, whatever, um, you know, you can change those things so that it shows up better. So like if I look for, say I look for my shop on Etsy and what it actually brings up, the, the, the title is my um, tagline, the thing that I, that, that I write. So it's basically the first bit of t- um, text on the page almost, but you can edit that and change it. Mm-hmm. And then it actually has, you know, the description underneath. Again, that it draws from um, the little uh, announcement at the top. So it's really important that you actually think about what you're putting in those things and that you're getting your keywords in there. And it's also um, baby steps, you know, don't get overwhelmed and like, ah, my keywords are all wrong. Don't get overwhelmed because Google's always searching for new information daily. So when you think about ranking, um, Google really does three things. So, and I let, I made up a little story cause I'm, you know, I'm a visual creative here and I'm not technical. So my little story is like, um, how do search engines work? Well, um, I made up the story. Mr. Google goes on vacation in Brazil because that's where I'm originally from. And he falls in love with this little beach over there. And he's like, I want to live here. So he starts this lost and found business. So every day, Mr. Google needs to get up and he needs to go um, with his metal detector and he's going to scan the beach looking for new items. So that's the first thing that search engines do. It's going to scan. So this is why most many times blogs will outrank websites because your blog content is being updated more often and Google really likes freshness to see, you know, who's putting information out there. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Google finds, let's say Mr. Google finds a gold necklace, some watches, some coins, money, etc. Mr. Google brings it back to his big fancy warehouse and in his warehouse he has to categorize things really importantly because then when the tourists come looking for them, he knows where to look. So um, I don't think – is there an Ikea where in yeah, Australia? Yeah, we have Ikea, yeah. Okay, so you know like the checkout line in Ikea where it's like all the bins and it's like crazy <laughs> mm-hmm. when you're about to mm-hmm. check out? Is it like that over there? Yep. <laughs> like with the rows and, and then A and then you got to look where like the actual item is? So this is basically what the algorithm does. So it's this big math formula that's going to categorize all the data on the interweb found that day in a matter of seconds, right? So Mr. Google, in my story, brings back his items and organizes it in these bins, columns, rows, that it's very well organized. Then the last thing um, that Mr. Google is going to do is a tourist comes in and she's going to say, hey, I found my, I lost my um, bronze necklace. Um, and Mr. Google's going to say, okay, I'll be right back. So Mr. Google comes back with 10 necklaces, but Mr. Google can only show her um, 10 necklaces, let's say one at a time. And he's going to show her the, the first one that he thinks best describes her, her what she said, right? What this Taurus said. Mm-hmm. And that is ranking. So the third thing search engines do is they rank you. So, but search engines use about 200 factors to rank a website. So it's not just one or two things, but this is why, Jess, it's so important that we have the technical SEO um, done, that we're filling out our page titles and descriptions. And it's baby steps, you know, first do your keyword list, then start looking at your pages and other things. Um, that's my story. That's my <laughs> I love that. That's adorable. But it just, stories are great. They just make everything so easily and relatable. So I yeah. really love that. And I have a real, a question for you that comes up a lot. People will like, we'll, we'll talk about SEO and then they'll go change a whole bunch of things on their Etsy shop or on their website. And 
wait and wait and look at their stats and like two days later nothing's happened so they change it all again and I'm like Mm -hmm. whoa wait a minute there you need to let it have time to work so do you need to let it have time to work and how long do you need to leave it before you start changing everything up again you absolutely need to um, give it time because sometimes um, the search engine won't index your site for like months, honestly. Um, So there's two things I do. Whenever I do like a major update like that, I go on a site called smallseotools.com and there is something called a ping something, but you go and ping your site. Mm -hmm. Um, That's kind of telling online places that you have fresh content to your site. And this is something you do only really when you're doing like a bunch of changes. The next thing that you can do is if you search, um, if you signed up for what's called Google Search Console, which is the old Google Webmaster tool. So if you've had a website for a long time, you might already be signed up and verified. So basically, um, Google Search Console um, is different than Google Analytics. Google Analytics looks at your audience, how your audience sees your website and the visitors, how long they stay. But Google Search Console looks at how the search engines view your site. So it will tell you if there's any errors, if they're not able to like index a page or if something's wrong. Wow. So in- in the Google Search Console, there's something um, called Fetch as Google. So let's say that, that, that you have a page that you've deleted and it's still showing up in Google results mm-hmm. and you don't want it to show up, right? Um, so then you go and you hit that red button. It's called Fetch as Google. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of giving the search engines a heads up. Hey, I have changes. But so how soon can you re- see results? it really depends on so many factors. Like I've seen results for YouTube SEO in a day. Um, You know, my sisters did a video and we optimized it and we were ranking on the first page like within a day, which was amazing. And Mm -hmm. it was a really, it was a competitive keyword. And that is, and the reason for that, I'll tell you, YouTube is like the wild, wild west. YouTube (laughs) is the only place that you really could go after those competitive keywords and actually rank. So YouTube is like really interesting. But um, in just regular Google search and things like that, it isn't, there's so many factors since it's 200 factors. Um, there's click-through rate, there's trustability, there's so many factors. So sometimes when people are like, oh, I'm not ranking, but so-and-so is, but you don't know what so-and-so has done behind the scenes. Mm. So-and-so, has, you know, the other a competitor, A, they might have a bigger Google score, like there's some scoring that Google does. Maybe they've had that domain name for 10 years and you've only had yours for one. Maybe they actually been featured in a bunch of places and there's links pointing to them and they have like 100 links and you have three. Um, so you need to be patient. I suggest you really do like, um, you know, a cleanup. January, I think, is a great month. February for, for you know, businesses, um, since they might not be as busy this time around after the holidays, that they could kind of sit down and do the keyword research and then um, update some things. As far as checking on stats, for Google Analytics, you really should be only checking like once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's for like just main things, kind of looking at, okay, I've had some good days. Um, I love looking at acquisition in there, which is where where's my traffic coming from? Is it social media? Which social media is it? Um, you know, organic, which is you know just organic results in in Google. So that's what I look at important. And, um, that's what I look personally look at, and I'll just look at kind of like an average how many you know visitors per day. Now I know if let's say 
you're strictly on Etsy, maybe you might be looking at your stats a little bit more often. Um, so if you're making a bunch of changes in Etsy, I'm not – I'm not an Etsy seller, so but I would probably look at the stats, you know, a week later or two weeks later, just to see if there's any jumps, you know, and then even that, and and um, probably search for my product in Etsy and see if it's falling on the first page of results. Yeah, that's something that you can do. But if it's WordPress, if it's these other platforms, it does take time. So um, in the meanwhile, then you work at your other, you know, social media platforms and other things you have going on for you. But yes, it's not a like a quick fix. There is no magic wand that you're just going <laughs> to SEO. And like I said, SEO does not solve all your booking problems. You still need a great product. You still need great customer service um, and a great brand. So it does take time, but it is important, though, for you to keep SEO in mind and just make it practical. And I think the good thing about, um, you know, if you're selling things online and products, uh, most likely you're not adding new products all the time. So it's not like you have to do this all the time. Mm -hmm. um, if you are blogging, you do want to kind of blog with, with SEO in mind. But um, in a way, you guys have a little bit of advantage, in my opinion. I probably would change more often during whatever your peak time of the year is mm -hmm. um, just to see. But honestly, once you've done like a big overhaul, then you can wait. Like I wait for things um, and I'll change my main page titles on my website like maybe three times a year just to play around with different things. But it's not all the time. No, just like anything in business, you need to do the work and then be patient and wait for <laughs> wait for the yeah. results to come in to see whether it has worked or not. And it is a big experimentation game, you know. Keep on keep oh. on trying new keywords, seeing what works. See, you Absolutely. Know, and, and sometimes tweak, you don't know. Yeah, <laughs> you and you're gonna like learn and evolve, and it it definitely is because remember, rankings change daily. It's like the stock market, right? It's like always up and down. So it's not like Ooh, I'm on page one, then everything's okay, kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah, and before we wrap up, because I think, my gosh, that's been so much amazing, valuable information, and I hope everybody has been taking notes. And if not, go back through it again and take notes. I just want to touch on Pinterest because um, you mentioned it earlier, and it's a huge source of traffic for a lot of makers. So, can you give us some quick tips on how to optimize your listings on Pinterest to get found more easily? Yeah, so I love Pinterest. I do teach a Pinterest SEO class because a lot of people don't talk about the SEO benefits of Pinterest. By that, I mean that a lot of people don't realize that their pins and their boards um, get gets um, ranked, gets indexed in Google. So you might have seen it yourself and you just didn't put like the two together that now when you're searching for stuff, many times the top results are this this um, collection of things found in Pinterest. Like if I go search cute fall dresses, um, you know, cute spring dresses, most likely there's going to be uh, some Pinterest results in there. Mm -hmm. Why? It's because your, your pins and your boards gets indexed by Google and they show up in Google results because we've done the back end work of op, um, updating that alt text already. Mm -hmm. Then we'll pinning our work, it has the keywords that we need. So some quick tips um, for you guys um, with, with Pinterest SEO and marketing. The first one, you obviously want to optimize um, your profile. Like a, a lot of people on Pinterest profile like likes to put like a cute tagline like cat lover, drink, you know, coffee, <laughs> this and that. So you can try and keep a little bit of your tagline, but if you could put, you know, a keyword in there. Um, and what Pinterest has done recently too is 
you can actually change your business name and it's that big name that shows up to have keywords, which is different than your pro, your business name in your URL, right? So my business name in the URL, it's called Get Found W Fuse, but my my it's under profile, you could change the business name. It's like SEO for, you know, solopreneurs or creatives. Mm-hmm. So you could play around with. Then um, what's really important is definitely being a business account. So if you go to business.pinterest.com, you could just convert it. Mm-hmm. Um, then with your boards, this is what I think a lot of people make this mistake. They make one main board and it's like, okay, here's all my blog posts. Here's all my stuff. And they call it, you know, their, their name. So for me, let's, let's talk about services and, and, and photography. So my board, instead of calling it Fusery Studios, I'm going to call it Myrtle Beach Wedding Photographer number one. So I'm optimizing the board name and every board in your Pinterest account needs a description, even if it's like those like recipe, home decor, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't necessarily have to put the board name like I did. You, you could leave your brand name in there. That's totally okay. But here's the thing, here's the missing link that I think a lot of people don't do. So you want one, what I call the main board. Then you want what I call niche boards, which is subcategories of what you do. So if you sell um, jewelry, do you sell bracelets? So then you want a board of just your work that's just bracelets. If you also sell necklaces, then you want a board of just your work that has necklaces. So these could be kind of like almost like blogging categories. What are your blogging categories? Mm-hmm. And what subcategories? Because then, so let's say, um, Jess, you just came out with new, um, I, I was looking at your stuff, new cool wedding bands, right? Mm-hmm. So then you did a blog post or you did your listing and then you pin it to your main board. But then inside of Pinterest, you're going to repin it to any of the niche board that that applies to that that topic or subtopic we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Repinning your own pins, and you need to sprinkle your pins around in Pinterest. So I create a main board, then I have these niche boards of my work only. The third category of boards are what we call general interests. So that's going to be your food, your home decor, your makeup, but it's cool if you could have a general interest, something that you and your ideal client have in common. So if I sell stuff just for brides, let's say, what what would me and a bride might have in common? Well, maybe fashion, maybe makeup, maybe um, home decor because she's getting married, she's gonna go live in a new apartment or move or buy a house or she loves to travel. So you know, knowing your audience is always great because, and sometimes don't tell them I'll stalk them on Pinterest, right? Just <laughs> <laughs> account, and I'm like, ooh, look at the brands that they like, look at the things that they shop, look at their style, right? If you have ever worked with a brand expert, they they might have you do something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I'm creating these general interest boards because I do want to be pinning to those things because I know those are the things that Pinterest um, in its smart feed loves. Um, I mean, there's a whole lot more to Pinterest marketing, um, group boards, there's something called tribes on tailwind, which is free. I strongly suggest you sign up for that if you can, uh, or create your own tribe you could actually create, maybe just, you could create your own tribe in there and you ask for people to collaborate. So then they all, it's sort of like having this, your own group board. Think of it, Facebook groups, but for Pinterest. That sounds awesome. Um, what was that called again? It's called um, Tribes on Tailwind, and I could send you a link for that. Please do. Um, but uh, 
Tailwind is like a paid service that for Pinterest scheduling and marketing, mm -hmm. but they have this thing called tribes, which is anyone can sign up to. So let's say you start your own tribe for, you know, jewelry sellers. And um, then you could add, let's say you added five people in there, five Pinterest accounts in there. So then when we pin, we can add that pin to the tribe. So then when we're looking at the tribe, if we all see each other's stuff and if we find anything interesting, then we repin it. So that just allows for, so if let's say the five of us, each of us on average has 800, so then that's, you know, 4,000 people mm -hmm. that essentially our pin can can get seen by. Um, because with Pinterest, it's kind of this flowing thing. Now, what I also love about Pinterest is that an average pin lasts three and a half months. Mm -hmm. And think of your average tweet, your average Facebook post. <laughs> Seconds. Yeah. Um, your average Instagram, right? People only go in certain times and Instagram and, and like your stuff. So Pinterest is kind of like the, the gift that keeps on giving. Mm. And and Pinterest, people go there. Um, people will start pinning content two to four months before. So right now, people might already be pinning spring stuff and maybe even summer because Pinterest is actually not a social media platform. It is called a discovery platform. Mm -hmm. Nobody's socializing on there. So they don't call themselves a social media platform. People want to find things, save it. This is why they also changed that pin it button to save. Mm -hmm. they're, they're finding things, they're saving it for when they need. So the search though statistically is two to four months before. Hmm. Wow. So, yes. <laughs> That's quite significant. Yeah, I know. Isn't that crazy? And we're, that's why you can't like. That's why holidays. You got to start like in August, September. <laughs> I know. And I mean, there's gonna be the last minute people for sure. But yeah, yeah and the people prepare, like when you got to think about Pinterest. You know, say you know, I'm in the wedding industry, so people getting married. You hope uh, not all of them. I can tell you for sure, but you hope they're getting organized a few months ahead. <laughs> so that's when they're going to be looking for stuff. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> But overall, yeah, Pinterest, you know, um, there's also Bible pins, which I believe it's only available in the U.S. I'm not 100% sure now, um, which if you're in Shopify, there's, I think, four or five platforms that you can make your pins and they're um, viable. So if you are listening and if you are in the U.S. or if you want to check that out, you might want to look up Bible pins to see if you can apply because then people could buy your items right inside of Pinterest if you're in the country that allows for that. Yeah, which is amazing and yeah, <laughs> awesome. So if, if you can do that, definitely make it happen. Um, I think I checked a few months ago now and it was still only the US, I believe, that it was available in, but I'm assuming they're going to bring it for, out for everybody once they, they get that sorted. Uh, and by the time we publish this, it might even be the case. But yeah, do check it, do check into that and see uh, if that's the case. And if it's not, keep checking back because when it is it's going to be very useful yes awesome well before we wrap up I know you mentioned a couple of um, things that you have on your site for people um, there was a SEO checklist I think yeah so I have a DIY SEO checklist it's not specific for products but I'm sure there's some things in there that you can um, learn and tweak for yourself so the link for that is bit.ly slash DIY SEO checks, so C-H-E-C-K. I also have a free keyword mini course on my um, school online, which is fuse, F-U-S-E dot teachable dot com. So just look for the keyword strategy course. So 
if you're intrigued by keywords, if you're like, oh my God, I've never done this, and you need a little <laughs> more help with some video lessons, and there's also a really cool um, little mini workbook in there for you to download. Um, so I suggest you check that out and sign, sign up for that. Yeah, definitely. That was amazing. So much, so much useful content there. And it just made SEO, it sounds, you know, it seems really straightforward when you put it in those terms. So thank you so much, Fuse, for coming on the show today and uh, simplifying it and making it actionable for everybody. Yes, that's like one of my favorite things when people get those like aha moments and they're like, oh, I can make this practical because that's what happened to me back in the day. I was like, okay, I'm not doing it really, you know, 100%, kind of half doing it. And I'm (laughs) seeing results. And that's the beauty of it. Really, anyone can do it. Yes, there's some things that get a little bit more technical and, you know, might leave you like, ah, but, um, you know, just taking those baby steps and, and, but it could totally be done. So I'm so glad that you found that practical and, um, you know, really simple. It, It can be simplified. Definitely. Thank you, Fuse. That was brilliant. And uh, everybody listening, make sure that you do go check out those free resources that uh, Fuse offered. I will put links in the show notes for that as well. Awesome. Jess, thank you so much. You are lovely and congrats with um, your success with this podcast. And I was definitely checking out, you know, some episodes. And I think this is really cool to have a community like this. Yeah, they're amazing people. And it's an honor to be able to be here and help them out. So thank you for being part of that. Oh, you're very welcome. (laughs) And good night. Good night. (laughs) Thanks for listening. And remember, head on over to thrivercircle.com to find out all the details about the Handmade Biz Bootcamp and how you can take part in the program. I'm Jess Van Den, and this has been another episode in the Create and Thrive podcast, Summer Series 2017.